Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Stand with me, if you would, please. want to welcome all of you watching online. Uh, live and or recorded. We're thankful that you have joined us. We pray that today's message will have an impact on your life and not just excite you, but really equip you for what God has called you to. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert My heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, kicking off a new series entitled Ways to Live a Blessed Life. Um, If you grew up as a baby boomer, uh, this was not something that was talked a lot about. Uh, Baby boomers were taught to work very hard to impress their baby builder parents. And, uh, and, and so as generations have evolved, um, so has the idea of the blessings of God. The real challenge when I talk about baby boomers is that um, if you believed in the blessings of God, people judged you because they felt like you were a shallow believer. And the only reason that... Uh, you were a believer at all was because uh, you wanted the blessings of God. And so every time I teach on the blessings of God, I always lay this foundation of if we got what we deserved, we would all get hell. So if you're going based on what we deserve or don't deserve, let's start there and realize that, no, we don't deserve so much of what God offers us and puts before us. And... uh, But because of his grace and his mercy, his love and his compassion, he is compelled to honor the words that he inspired in the book called the Bible. And, uh, you know, you hear me repeat Deuteronomy 28 over and over and over and over again, and I will do it till there is no life left in me, that it, it talks about the platform for blessing is simple obedience. It's not your goodness. It's not your perfection. It's simply our acts of obedience that releases the blessing of God. Now, you can say, well, that means if I obey, I'm good. No, you can obey and still be a stinker. <laughs> there are a lot of people who obey God, but they, but, but they have their little flaws like we all do. But it says if you'll obey him, you'll be blessed in the city and the country coming in and going out. You'll be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Though your enemies come at you from one direction, they'll flee in seven. That's the blessing of God. And and it's not because we did everything right, but it's because we simply decided we would obey him to the best of our ability. And obedience is not always an easy thing. For instance, let's start with forgiveness. Uh, If I forgive, the Bible says I'll be forgiven. Now, I don't always want to forgive, and neither do you, and... It's, but, it, but it is something that, that in our effort and our passion and our desire to forgive, we will encounter the blessing of God, which is we receive forgiveness. And so if we do what God says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, and, and we walk in that kind of love, then we will receive the blessing of other people's love. And it's, it's really not rocket science. It's defying our own our own lives and our own flesh and our own selfishness. I told you a few weeks back, one of the sermons this year prompted me to remember that get up every morning and acknowledge the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, I'll leave one with you, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And so we don't think much about it because we just assume, and he's always with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But we do invoke his activity by acknowledging him because he will never force himself on us 
nor push his will upon us, but he will, uh, if we invite him in, then he will come and he will do what we've asked. So get up every morning, say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I, I surrender my life to you. In other words, I've been bought with a price. My life is not my own. It belongs to you. Second thing I do is I say, I submit my will to your will because that's what Jesus did. He, he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. So when we do those simple steps, and we, we oftentimes don't think, you know, we, we can be Christians on autopilot. We really can be. We can just get up every day, and we're saved, and we're going to heaven. And, but, but we need to include God, invite God into our lives in order to experience all that God has. And so in uh, Genesis chapter 12, and this is the beginning of the beginning, verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. Now, we don't think much about this, but we didn't have airplanes back then. We didn't have automobiles back then. So going from the country that he was in to the country he was supposed to go to was not going to be an easy task. It was going to be a journey. And God is telling him what to do. Now, when God gives us direction and we obey him, we can expect his blessing. We can expect it. I mean, we should expect it. Now, in a moment, I'll tell you what not to do when you do expect it. It says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. The foundation of being blessed is to realize that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. This is not just so we can say, hey, I'm all blessed, I'm all of that. But God wants us to pass along the blessing that he has put upon us to other people. And that is one requirement I believe that comes with being blessed. If I'm going to be blessed, I need to look for ways, not just wait for something to pop up, but be very intentional about finding ways to bless other people. And it goes on to say, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Now, as a type A flesh type person, I love that part. Anybody going to curse me, God, they're going to be cursed. And we all get excited about that a little bit because, you know, it is a protection of God. So, you know, so, but think about it this way. Everybody, you curse. <laughs> it's not just we have to comply and not curse those who that God has blessed. Because if God's blessed them and we go against that, we're, we're really defying him. And it goes on to say, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, sometimes blessings don't happen quickly. In my opinion, they don't happen quick enough oftentimes. You, you sow something, you do something, and you know something, and, and, and I can go back to the children of Israel when God is delivering them out of Egypt 40 years. And, and in, in that 40-year window of time, many of the Israelites lost their faith and their confidence in God. They murmured, they grumbled, and they complained. Sounds familiar. And so there are two things you don't want. You don't ever want to mix faith and time. Never mix faith and time. Because faith stands alone. When you put time and faith together and God doesn't do what he said he would do for you, and it's been a long time. When you mix faith and time, sometimes you quit on God because he doesn't do it in the time frame you think he should. So we have to let faith stand alone saying, God, I believe regardless of how long it takes that you're going to do what you said you would do. And that whatever the thief has stolen, the Bible says he has to pay back seven times or completely. And sometimes you, that faith, you're, you're believing God for years and years and years. And, and you'll get it when you need it the most. Not when you want it the most, but when you need it the most. Sometimes if God gave you something too early, you would spend it before you needed it. Not here, but 11 o'clock, there'll be some people. And so we have to be very aware to not mix those two. 
See, we have the blessing of seeing God from the end to the beginning, unlike Abraham. Abraham had to see him from the beginning so that there would be an end. But now that we have 66 books called the Bible, we get to see everything from the end back to the beginning of time. So for us to have faith, it's foolish for us to not have faith having looked back because from the end looking back to the beginning, we can see all the good things God has done. But many people have created in their mind a God who was simply a historic figure. Jesus was just another man back in time. And yeah, he was the savior of the world. But we have a hard time making him alive in us. Because we measure most everything in life against us. So I'm going to talk about the three obstacles that we're going to experience to get to the blessing of God. And the number one obstacle is what's behind you. The, the, things that, the thing we struggle with the most is our past. We're constantly looking when a blessing comes and God really does something really big. The first thing we do is we start thinking, man, I, I don't know if I deserve this and what are other people going to say? What are other people going to say about this? Well, you know, if, if, I, if I wear something a little too flashy or if I drive something a little too nice, if I live somewhere that's over, and all of a sudden, and this does happen, that people begin to judge based on what you possess or your blessing, not on their own. And, and this is where I want to try to get you over the hump to realize that the blessings of God must never be apologized for. Now, as a pastor, it puts me in a very unique position, um, and I'll tell the story again because it fits very well here. Uh, I grew up lower middle class, good mom and dad, you know, we just all the, it was, we were a, as normal a family, if there is such a thing as normal, I've never found normal. It's, it moves. And so, but, but it was just a pretty, what we would consider a pretty normal family. We didn't have a lot. And uh, so uh, I began just obeying God. I mean, I, I was doing very well in my life, had a great job, drove a great car. I was single. I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Everything's going great. And then all of a sudden... I get this voice inside me telling me to do what I'm doing today, which is preach, which I did not want to do. Because the church I grew up in was a chandelier swinging church, and I wasn't that good on chandeliers. And I was going to have to learn how to swing, you know, on the chandeliers. And then there would be all kinds. And so it just kind of weirded me out. I mean, I was glad I was saved. I, you know, I wasn't bothered by it so much, but... I hear this voice, and, and, and I responded to God as I was driving through Tulsa in my beautiful Corvette with the tops off. Oh, yeah. It makes even an ugly guy look very pretty. And so I, I'm driving, and I hear, I'm listening to the Imperials, the, the song Heed the Call. God was a total God setup. I think the Trinity had a board meeting with the angels and said, we, we're going after him. And so I get home, and, and there's a note on the table my roommate had left that, that Dewey Turney, that was the guy's name, called and wants to buy your car. Well, it wasn't for sale, and I hadn't told anybody. Nobody knew. I, I mean, matter of fact, God and I just had this heed-to-call moment on a beautiful evening, and, and I freaked out. And, and so, a long story short, this was the beginning of my act of obedience, and I was going backward, not forward. I had the car you dreamed of. Yeah, that, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm blessed. And God said, well, you're a little bit blessed, but you're not as blessed as I want, so are you going to trust me? It was my very first test, and, and, and long story short, I, I called this guy, and I said, you know, I, I said, how did you get a hold of me? I mean, I, I didn't know the guy, and, and he had seen my car, and it was very, very unique. It was one of a kind, and it had been custom painted, custom designed. It was just beautiful. And I told him, I said, I said, you can come and look at it. And I said, here's what I'm going to sell it for. And if you even try to jew me down just a little bit, you can walk. This is not how you sell a car. 
Back in the day, everybody was negotiating. I said, there is no negotiation, no margin for error here. If you want this car, here's what it's going to cost you. Because I thought, surely I'll scare this guy off because I was being rude. Anointedly rude. <laughs> and, and the guy came, took it for a spin, came back and said, you got trouble? I said, what is it? He said, I'm going to buy your car. And I went, I didn't praise the Lord. This wasn't one I was trying to get rid of, and thank God I finally unloaded it on somebody. So long story short, that's how it began. And then I jumped from that, from a Corvette to a Chevette. <laughs> they don't make them anymore. Does that tell you anything? And so, so uh, and then I, I upgraded to a VW. They're still making those. But it was a bug. Imagine that. You're going... I just kept going downhill, Corvette, Chevette, Buck. If they made a termite, that would have been the next car. It was just getting bad. And, and then he says, you know, I want you to go back to school for four years. And I'm, in my, I'm 24 years old at that time. I'm thinking I'm over the hill. You don't go back to college. I was the oldest kid. I'm in, I'm in with 18-year-old kids who still call mama every day. And, and I'm out making a living, and, and nobody's paying for my college. And, and, and so over time, it just, it, that's the way it went. I, I mean, I, got, I literally got poorer and poorer. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't know how I was going to get from that high point of making great money, driving a sexy car, to I got nothing going on. And it took a while for me, and let me tell you why. God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. If you are not prepared for blessing, it will crush you. It will not bless you. Little did I know, I had, he had a lot of, it was a decade of terrible. It really was. I could, now, I understand, I'm, I'm loving learning about God and the Bible and all that. But then finally, in, in uh, it was, I, I'm trying to think of, it was by 1999. So that was 80, let's go back to like 81. Wow, that's 18 years. I'm going to need to ponder this between services. <laughs> and I felt like the children of Israel. I mean, I must have been half as dumb as them. I only went about 20 years. They went 40 of, of figuring this thing out. And finally, somebody comes up to me I don't know and, and gives me this beautiful, tricked-out, red lift kit Suburban. I mean, let me tell you something. It was all that and bags of chips, family pack. And I was so excited until I thought, what are people going to say? This is what happens. Every time God wants to do something for you, you will start going back and first saying, I don't know if I really deserve this or what are people. All of a sudden, what are people going to say? And we get all carnal in our thinking. And, and, and that was when the heart of God spoke to the heart of Mark. And he said, you care more about what people think than what I think and what I want for you. It set me free. I realized that I don't have to explain God to anybody. I just have to live God before everybody. And to me, this was a sign of what happens when, we, when we're willing to obey God, because it didn't look like I was going forward. It looked like I was going backwards. And sometimes People get radically born again. They had a great job. Everything's going great. They get born again, and they start losing everything. Let me tell you why. Because that will test your commitment to God and not to things. So when I talk about blessing, I ain't talking about having stuff. I mean, I'm just having, I'm talking about the worry is stuff having us. It's okay for you to have stuff, it's, but it's not okay for stuff to have us. And so we, some people start getting stuff, and that's, I was on a Zoom call, my standard Zoom call with other pastors, and they say, one pastor in California, Pastor Dick, said, you know, he said, I, more times than he had a church of about 15,000, he said, there'd be people come in, they get saved, they had nothing, their life was a shambles, all of a sudden they start getting blessed, and, and they used to come to church every time the doors were open, but now they got stuff. They got blessed. And, and, and they started caring more about the blessing than the blessor. I want us to understand the blessor is always number one. We don't pursue the blessing. We pursue the blessor. We can trust him to entrust to us what we can handle and what we can't. 
So when I talk about this, I'd love to tell you when everything's going to go real quick, it's going to be great. No, sometimes you're going to have to go through some stuff to get to the stuff that God wants for you. And so you have to put behind you what's behind you and keep living what's ahead of you. Now, in Philippians chapter 3, the apostle Paul put it this way in the Passion Translation. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. But I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach, listen to this, the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me to make me his own. So Paul says, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to pursue, I'm reaching for the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. I'm, I'm wanting to reach the purpose. And then he goes on to say the way to do this, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forge all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I for, he said, I forget, not forge. I forget all the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. This is so very, very important. If any of us have a past, and we all do. Now, some of y'all have a kindergarten past. You stole gum out of somebody's backpack. God help you for your radical, sinful self. Then there are others of us that did some things that are incomprehensible that we can't even think or imagine, and, and the devil will always bring up your past en route to your future. You're going along, you're having a couple of good weeks, maybe a couple of good years, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you'll be reminded of something you couldn't remember if you tried. And matter of fact, most of us cannot remember the good things we've done. But I promise you, you could tell me all the bad stuff. It's human nature. It's what the devil uses. We have this unbelievable memory when it comes to sin. And now, what I will say is this. When that happens, and you remember the bad things, oh, thank God he covered that with his blood. That'll mess the devil up. He'll fire a couple of his little demons over that one. You can't be remembering what you did in response to that sin. Never waste a sin. Never waste one. Some people waste sin by acting like it didn't happen, pushing on the right side. No, no, I ain't wasting that sin. I'm changing as a result of that sin. My life's going to be different, and I did make changes, and my life is different. And, and I can give glory to God. Now, there will always be critics and modern-day Pharisees. They're everywhere. Pharisees are everywhere because Pharisees never sin. They never saw their own sin. They, they lived their life by, if they couldn't keep the 12 commandments, uh, the, the 10 and then the 12 and then the 20, they kept making them up until they could find one they could do. Well, we do that one good. Yeah, but you're an idiot. On the first 10 that God gave us, you can't do, so you had to make up some more. That's what they did. They, they turned 10 laws into over 600. It's Pharisees. This is what people do. They keep moving the bar. They keep changing the standard to fit their own inabilities to obey the Lord. So he says, I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. The anointing is invisible, intangible, but very experiential. There are times you feel something you've never felt in your life. It's what I feel when I preach. I don't always feel it when I'm driving. Because <laughs> driving. <laughs> and other people that got their license at Kmart, which is no longer exists. They can't even renew them. I don't feel anointed when I drive. I feel desperate and angry oftentimes. It's like, get out of the way. You're in the fast lane. Speed limit is 70 and you're going 50. Honk, honk. I should probably pray for them, but most of the time I don't. 
I honk. So your pastor, if, you, if I ever honk at you, I'm not saying hi. I'm saying you're being stupid, all right? <laughs> can get you in trouble. So Paul said he forgot. The past doesn't hang on to us. Listen to me. We hang on to the past. Past doesn't hang on. Once you get born again, it's cut loose until you decide that something bothers you and you're hanging on to it and it's keeping you from moving forward. Don't hang on to your past. Everybody's got one. As a matter of fact, rarely ever talk about your past. I hear people all the time talk, and they don't talk about it for redemptive purposes. In other words, thank God, man, I was such a bad person. Sometimes they talk about it in an arrogant way to remind you of of the cute things they thought were cute back then. So be careful when you talk about your past because that means you're hanging on to it. Now, sometimes I'll share it when I'm sharing with somebody who's living the way I live to say God got me out of that, he can get you out of it too. But I don't want to have a conversation about my past. Matter of fact, I will rarely drive through my old neighborhood where I grew up because it was a very small community. It was an independent school district. I graduated with a whopping 54. We can't remember how many actually walked because it was a real redneck community. But somewhere around 54 graduated and probably uh, less than that really did. (laughs) It was one of those school districts where we've got to get them out of here. Otherwise, we're going to have a senior class of 30-year-olds because they're never going to make it. And so when you talk about your past, you're, you're in sometimes the devil goes, see, that's, yeah, you don't deserve, and he'll remind you of everything that you've done wrong. So the past does not have hands, but you do. You hang on. Memories are created by choices, ours and others. In other words, the memories of our past <coughs> are created by the choices we make or the voices that others use to tell us about our past. And we need to be, a, be able to create memories that have a redemptive conclusion. I heard a story of a father, it was a real wealthy family, and the father wanted to show his seven-year-old son how poor people lived. So he left their big fancy house and took his son and drove to the country where there was a little bitty framed house uh, located out in the middle of nowhere. And there were people just in other these framed houses out there. The people hardly had anything. They had almost nothing. And after a, a day and a half of being there, the father decided it's time for us to head home. The father was curious. He wanted to hear what his son had learned from this experience. So driving back home, he asked his son, how did you like our trip? Oh, Dad, I I really enjoyed it, he responded. Then the father asked, did you see how poor people can really be? Yes, Dad, I did. Well, tell me, what are some of the things that you learned? The son thought about it and said, Dad, we have one dog at home, and those people have four. And, Dad, we have a swimming pool that reaches out half of our backyard, but they have a stream in their yard that has no end. Dad, we have fancy lanterns in our yard, but they have the stars. Dad, we have a front porch that reaches out to our yard, but they have a whole horizon. His dad was shaking his head. He couldn't believe it. About that time, the little boy spoke up and said, Dad, Thank you, thank you for showing me how poor we really are. Perspective. Perspective. The father had hoped that the son would see how great his life was and how abundant and how blessed. You see, blessing is not in possessing stuff, but possessing God. That's blessing. Being able to see things differently than what we might see in today's society. The bigger car, the bigger home, the bigger this, the bigger that, more of this. Rather seeing that the lanterns didn't have the same effect as the stars that God put in the galaxy. Swimming pool wasn't the same as a rippling creek going down through the acreage behind that little framed house. The kid got a revelation of something that the father did not have a revelation of. 
And blessing is not something we worship. It's something that we enjoy. It's something we experience. And so you create the memories that of the things God has done. Secondly, you have to address mindsets. We all have mindsets, or you can call them belief systems, whatever you want to call them. And those mindsets and belief systems are often the result of generations before you, before me, my mom and dad, my grandparents, and your grandparents, and your great-grandparents, and how they lived life, and how they taught each generation to live life, but more is caught than taught. So if you're caught up in poverty, uh, you can be taught about prosperity, but you won't get it because you already caught the poverty mentality. Now, this is in no way to be mean, cruel, or judgmental toward anyone who is in lack. That's not what this is about, because I lived much of my life thinking with that mindset. This is as good as it gets. Uh, There was no creativity. Uh, You took what came to you. You made the best of it, which is not a bad thing. But oftentimes, if not most of the time, there's more in us than we ever access in a lifetime. And, and throughout accessing those things, every time we move forward, we have to remember the next act of obedience will be bigger and more difficult than the previous act of obedience. Why am I saying that? Because with every act of obedience, God releases blessing as he says he will at some point, and that we have to remember to get to the place we want to go, it's going to require more faith than we've ever experienced or ever had. Mindset means a fixed attitude, a disposition, or a mood. I like that definition, a fixed attitude. If you have the attitude of your mom and dad, now I had a good mom and dad, but but my mom was German, and my dad had quite a bit of Indian in him. All we needed was a dash of Irish, and we'd have been in a fight 24-7. A little Conor McGregor thrown in there. And, and so I grew up understanding temper, temper, temper. And that in order to get to where you wanted to go, there always had to be just an edge of threat. And so that was my mindset was that you had to fight for everything you got. You said, well, isn't that true? no. I wish I'd have been taught you have to faith for everything you want. Because if you constantly are fighting, that means somebody has to lose. And the goal is to never create a win-lose situation. The goal for Christians is to always create a win-win, which is why he told Abraham, I will bless you in order to be a blessing. But if you grew up fighting for everything you possess, and it, it will work. You can fight for things. And, and if you're tenacious and, and you're, you're committed, you can get some things on your own. There's no denying that. People do it every day. At the same time, while they're getting everything that they're fighting for, they're really not enjoying it because they're recovering from the fight. So we have to learn how to change our mindset to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, not our own strength, not our own power, not our own might. It not, does not come by our strength, our might, but it comes by the Spirit of God. But then that requires me to die to myself and surrender, which none of us like doing because we're so human. God, it, it, just think about it a minute. If there's one person that you cannot stand... And we all have those people around us every now and then. Think about it this way. You're allowing one person to stand between you and God's blessing. What's their fault? No, it's your fault. You put them there. In your mind, in your heart, in your thinking, you've got that one person that you really can't stand. And for some reason, they keep popping up. They're like the clown you used to hit with sand in the bottom. You hit it, it came right back. I'm really old. We didn't have video games. We had clowns we punched. This is how we grew up. You don't think we were, I mean, it was violent. I mean, we had those kinds of things. We had clowns that we got to go punch a clown. 
It had a face and everything. And who punches a clown? Why didn't they make it some like an evil like burglar or something? No, it was a clown with a smiley face. Go hit the clown. We weren't taught faith. We were taught fight. And so as a result of that, every time I used to tell people, I said, well, you know, I, I begged to play football. I played football. And, and you can say, well, I won't get hurt. If you're going to really play football, you're going to get hurt, even if you're the water boy. It's stupidest thing. Kids say, Mom, Dad, I'll be fine. I'll never get hurt. Yeah, you will. You're going to get hurt. And if you get into a fight, you're probably going to get hurt. You might win, but, but you're going to experience some pain. So the idea is to convert the fight to faith. A mindset is an established set of attitudes of a person or group concerning culture, values, philosophy, frame of mind, outlook, and disposition. It may also arise from a person's worldview or beliefs about the meaning of life. Do you realize there are people today that if you went up to them and you said, God is a blessor, they would hate you. And they would call themselves Christians. And how in the world can you talk about blessing when people are hungry in Africa? <coughs> and this is exactly how religious people roll. And I lived in Africa for a while. And, and let me tell you, it doesn't change. People want blessed. There are governments that disallow that, make it prohibitive, not possible. And so we start measuring our mindset against the mindset of another culture. And that's when you start. And I took kids on missions trips. The worst thing I ever did and the best thing I ever did was take them on missions trips. They saw things, they saw the destitute uh, cultures, and they would come home, and they would feel guilty about having their own bedroom. So when I started taking kids years after on trips, I would say, you're going to be tempted to come home and feel guilty about any good thing that you have. And you have to guard your mindset and your belief system and make it line up with the Word of God. If you don't, you will criticize people who are blessed. You should never criticize people who are blessed because what you're saying is, God, you were wrong to bless them. Just because you're not walking in the blessing, you criticize the blessed. I want everybody to be blessed. I, I, I've, got a lot of, I've got a lot of ceiling space left for blessing. <laughs> I really do. There's a whole lot of room left for God to do some more stuff. But until he does, I'm going to rejoice in the stuff that I have. God, thank you for blessing me at this level. And, and, but here's what we do. When we don't experience the blessing we think we should, we start looking at everybody else and criticizing them for being blessed. Let me give you a word of encouragement. Hang out with them. <laughs> don't criticize them. Hang out with them. Maybe you'll learn something. That's what I had to do because I was convinced we shouldn't have, when I first got born again, I, I just thought, oh, it's just so great. I just love Jesus so much. Here, have everything, you know. And we get all self-righteous and, and start trying to play Jesus ourselves and, and not realizing he is a blesser. He started with Abraham. And that's the nature of God. That's the mindset of God. Some scholars claim that people have multiple types of mindsets. Some of these uh, types include a growth mindset, a fixed mindset, a poverty mindset, a wealth mindset, abundance mindset, and a positive mindset, among others, that form the makeup of a person's overall mindset. So you should be thinking about this. Every time I preach, I, I, I just want to give you tools to take home, get out of the toolbox, and start figuring out how they work. See, I have a growth mindset for sure. I, I, I'm always trying to grow. I'm always trying to better myself, not to impress anybody, but I want to live the best life that I can live. I want to I be happy. I'm an optimist that hates even becoming a realist. So you can imagine what I think about pessimists. There are people who, God, God could wheel something beautiful up, and they go, oh, yeah, right, what, what's the catch? Negative. That's your mindset. You grew up thinking 
everybody else but you was blessed, and, and God shows favoritism, and the Bible says he doesn't, but you have a mindset that, that you, I knew a person like this, I met him five or six years ago, and they just had a poverty mindset. I, I, I tried to bless them, and they wouldn't even take the blessing. Have you ever had people say, oh, no, I can't take that? If somebody offers you something, say, thank you, Jesus. Put your hand on them, pray for it. Say, God, I ask you to bless them back. I'm taking it. <laughs> or I receive it. But, and, and there are people, that, look, I felt this. A guy started, I, when I was uh, in 1990, I was growing, getting ready to run across America. And, uh. I was training, and I, I really didn't have a job. I was kind of living off of gifts, and this guy started giving me clothes. He was an oil guy, and I felt so embarrassed, <laughs> so embarrassed. I didn't want, oh, no, I'm good. No, I wasn't good. If you look at my closet, you'd think he ain't holy, but his clothes are. <laughs> and, and I had a hard time receiving, and that's called pride. Well, somebody wants to give you something, and they say, you know, I really feel like the Lord wants me to do this. And you say, oh, no, I'm good. You're dumb. See, and the reason you do that is, well, you know, it's pride. It's, I don't, you know, I don't want to. And, and look, being blessed is not easy. And living a blessed life is not that easy. Because now all of a sudden you're responsible for the blessing that comes your way. And what did he tell Abraham? I'll bless you to be a blessing. So now I've got to keep the flow going or else you're going to become like the Dead Sea. There's no in or out. It's just salt. You can float on the Dead Sea. Been there. It's just, it's just so thick. There's, that's how come you have to be a stream, letting it come in and letting it go out. Israel had a slave mindset when they got in the wilderness. That's how come they said, why didn't you, just, why'd you bring us out here to die? Why didn't we just die in Egypt? They had become so accustomed to being beat and, and worked to death, and that was their mindset. So Moses comes in, and we read it, and we go, isn't this great? God's setting the captives free, but the captives had a captive mindset. That was their disposition. They had fixed their minds on. How many of you know you can adjust? People literally adjust to pain. They adjust. They, I, I had one friend that says he had, he had knee replacement surgery, and for years he put it off, put it off. He said, had I known it was going to be this good, I would have done it a long time ago. But his mindset was, I'm adjusting, I'm adjusted to the pain. Quit adjusting to the pain and start declaring the Word of God. I'm not adjusting to the things that, that God didn't bless. I'm adjusting myself to the blessing of God. You have to get beyond some things. Then the last thing is, so you, you have the memories that you create that create a new mindset. In other words, I'm going to start from today, create a past by creating a future. So when the future is done, I can look at the past and say, I created that, which is what the father was trying to do for his son. It worked in reverse. And his son got it. He didn't. Address your mindset. And thirdly, realize there are, that, that manipulation will always be involved. That, that you have to be aware of manipulation because to get to blessing, there is no shortcut. <clears throat> but there will be other people that will try to get you somewhere for their good and not your gain. Promises from others instead of the promise of God. We never look to the promises of other people. If somebody comes up to you, I promise you this, don't even pay attention to it. Say, God... You're the one I'm looking to. You're the promisor. If you want to use them to get your promise to me, that's fine. But sometimes people will try to move you to get their way. Well, no, I, here, I got I went to a, uh, I was invited to a, a friend of mine's house one time, and it was going to, there was supposed to be a meal and all that. But it was a multi-level thing. <laughs> Didn't tell me that when I got there, until I got there. Now, I'm not judging anybody, but I'm just saying, his purpose was that I can help you. I got something to help you. But the reality is it was going to help him. So I was looking. I thought, well, this might be good. You know, just go hang out and eat. And then I get there and I realized it was set up so that I would have to listen to his spiel so that he could be higher in the ranks of this marketing thing. I'm being very cautious. Because some of y'all have been there, done that. 
and I'm not going to mention the name, but those of you who have been around a while know what I'm talking about. So somebody's promising me that they're going to bless me when reality is they were blessing themselves. See, this is why we have to cling to God. People often tell us what we want to hear. God tells us what we need to hear. There is no shortcut to blessing, folks. There is no shortcut. You know, people always promise, you know, get-rich-quick schemes. There is no such thing as a get-rich-quick scheme. You can win the lottery, but you're still not rich. You just have money. Rich and wealth and health, those are all bigger than that. Because you're discounting yourself based on what you possess instead of who you possess. Bosses promise promotion, but God tells us he's the one that promotes. <laughs> Psalm chapter 75, verse 6. God, it doesn't come from north, south, east, or west. It comes from God. So you say, well, I've been looking for promotion, and you've been sucking up or doing whatever it is you do with your boss or wherever and trusting your boss. So let me tell you something. If God wants you promoted, that boss cannot stop your promotion. About two of you believed that. Proud of you. Others promise rewards, but God says he is the rewarder of those who seek him. So what I'm saying is this. The obstacles are we're oftentimes looking for the promises others make us, the rewards others want to give us, and we start looking for the things instead of the person, God. So if God wants to do anything like in this church, in your business, in your home, in your relationship, whatever. God gets to do that if we give him permission. This sounds really awkward to people who are religious. God doesn't need permission. Yes, he does. God needs permission. You know why? Because he loves you so much that he wants you to make the decision and let him in to do what you're asking to be done. It's very simple. Now, it's hard if, you, if you're a religious person because you think everything's done by works. It's not by your works or mine. It's by our trust and faith in him and our willingness to obey him. So that's obstacle number one. You'll need to be here for obstacle number two next week. And don't you even, are we going to church today? What a dumb question. It's like we have to ask like it's, well, you know. No, man, listen. We got to get back to the day where church is the priority. It's the number one priority in our lives. It's not like, you know, treat this like, are we going to the movies? Are we going to the restaurant? Are we going out to eat? Are we going to church? That is not a question we ask. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And, and we're living in a society where we think that Jesus didn't pay, that we, we, we did all this, and we didn't. It's his grace and mercy. Let's worship him. Let's put him first. Let's make him a priority. No, better yet, let's make him the priority. Many people say, well, I want to be blessed, but, yeah, and you say, well, church attendance doesn't count. I think it does count. I'm more and more thinking it counts because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and, and Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, well, you can't serve on your sofa. Well, I guess you could. You could serve popcorn. <laughs> Listen, I want people to be blessed, but you have to position yourself for blessing. Posture yourself for blessing. You can't just sit around and hope. I'll talk about it next, next week. But wishing is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, I wish you'd do it for me. Well, not love, joy, peace, wish, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's not it. Some of y'all need to do away with the wishbone and all the wishing and start faithing. I know that's not a word, but I just made it one. That might be the dictionary word of the year, faithing. See what God does. Let's pray. Father, thank you for so much, for, for loving us so much and desiring <laughs> with that love to bless us so that we can be a blessing. So, Lord, today we open our hearts to receive. We open our hearts to receive. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want us all to pray this prayer, and I want us to pray it with some passion. It's a sinner's prayer, what we call allowing Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. Pray this with me. And those of you watching online, pray this. And some of you are watching this a week from now, a month from now, maybe a year from now. Jesus loves you so much. That's why you're watching this. And you're going to pray this prayer. It's going to change your life forever. Pray it with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much 
that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today I'm born again. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to ask you to do me a favor. I want you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Those of you in-house, our prayer team will be to the left of the stage in a moment. I'd encourage you to go tell one of them, today I gave my life to Jesus. Would you continue to pray for me? And they'll say, absolutely, we will. Okay, do that. This time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. And again, I remind you that we are about blessed to be a blessing. And let me say, well, you know, I'm not real blessed. I have an eight to five, and here's my, my income or whatever. The minute that you choose to share a portion of what you have received, that blessing is blessing others. And with that, you're sowing, which means in that, you're going to reap. You know, I wish there was a shortcut to this. I really do. But the first thing I do every time we get paid is I go and I text in church. I text to give to that number, 405-546-2226. I just do it, I mean, every time. Boom, boom, boom. It's not even a minute. Matter of fact, if, if a day goes by where I forgot, I kick myself because that's the first thing I want to do is say, God, you get the first of everything that comes to me. You get the first. You don't get it when I look and say, well, I paid everything. God, I'm going to throw you a bone. No, God, you get first. Now, you know what? Summer's coming around. I can sleep with my windows open. Well, not no. <laughs> but God wants us to be happy, joyful givers. So you can text to give. You can put your phone on the QR code. You can mail it to 5821 Northwest Expressway, Oklahoma City 73132. You can give on the way out. You can go to our website, mosaicokc.church forward slash give. And all those things are available. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the left of the stage. If this is your first time here, we uh, have a gift for you at the Welcome Kiosk. Also, I want to encourage you, if you are not serving, I want to encourage you to become a servant in the house of God. And you can text the word serve to that number and put your you know, name and phone number down, and we will get a hold of you and plug you in. Do that. Don't wait another day. Let's stand. We're going to go out with a shout of hallelujah on three. And... Uh, Enjoy your week. It looks like we dodged old man winter, but this is Oklahoma. It can snow in April. Okay, one, two, three, hallelujah. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.